0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to Bible Study. We have been going over a series where we are seeking to prepare ourselves to talk with people about God. We need to be able, willing, and even enthusiastic about talking to people about their faith, about Jesus, about the the truth of the life of Jesus uh, the truth of holy scripture we all of us need to be uh, we need we need to take our role as ambassadors seriously and we need to be ready uh, in whatever circumstances we find ourselves to have a spiritual conversation conversation with people uh, we have uh, various circumstances that can challenge us we've been covering One of these in every one of our Bible studies. Tonight, I want to cover the subject of talking to an atheist uh, or talking to an agnostic. The difference, of course, is an atheist believes there is no God. An agnostic admits that nobody knows. He just doesn't believe there's um, one. Uh, the interesting thing to know here is atheism requires more faith than uh, faith. Why? Because to say there is no God is to ask someone to prove a negative, which is impossible. Um, So if we say we believe there is, and they say they believe there isn't, um, but they're seeking to prove a negative. um, So uh, just be aware that atheists are people of faith. Um, They believe they know something that they have to choose to believe. Just as Christians are people of faith, we believe in the eternal God and we choose to believe in his promise and his presence. Um, It's agnostics who are in the middle who really have a a, a somewhat logical uh, position in the sense of they don't have faith. They're just admitting that they they don't know and they don't think anybody else knows either. Um, We need to be able to talk to these people because in spite of what you've probably heard some preachers say, these can be very good people. Now, they're just people. They can also be troubled people and angry people. Um, But we make a mistake and we commit an injustice when we decide uh, that people are in some way unethical or uh, without value or no good or evil if on the basis of whether or not they believe. Um, this, I think, is unfair. Um, I know some, how shall we say, um, I know some bad people who believe in Jesus. Uh, and I say that very just uh, tongue in cheek because I, I don't really want to be in the business of calling people good or bad. I just, I'm wanting to broaden our hearts, broaden our vision, open our hearts. Uh, to people, because if people sense any contempt from us, um, if they if they sense any spiritual dismissal, they'll close their hearts to us, and we will have an inability. We'll have no opportunity to have a spiritual conversation uh, with them, and that is when our witness fails. I'm going to talk about this next week, um, but the idea of what if I'm working with someone and they do not believe? What if they never believe? Does my witness fail? Um, Really, quick preview, the only way your witness fails is not whether or not they believe, but whether or not you are ashamed to what you claim. That's when your witness fails. Um, We are supposed to be known in a certain way. uh, Biblically, um, we are given directives on how we should carry our faith, how we should live and walk in this world. Um, We understand the power of uh, charity, the power of spiritual love. Uh, These are the things we should be uh, manifesting in our lives. But that's for next week. Um, If we dismiss or we condescend or we have contempt for people because we don't agree with their belief, we've just closed all the doors and locked all the windows to any chance of having influence in their life. This is this is not the example that the Apostle Paul uh, showed to us in our theme text what we actually spent some time talking about in the first lesson of the series, um, where he talks to people who they don't have his faith, they don't know his uh, theology, they've never met or heard of this man Jesus, um, and Paul talks to them and he opens his heart to them, uh, so much so that they invite him to come to a place of their philosophical Uh, discourse. They trust him with that, and they ask him to speak, and he does, and some believe and some don't, but they do say, we would like to hear more about this. So, there are lessons here. When we talk to people who are unbelievers, um, the first thing, if you will remember the four L's, uh, the first thing is is listen. That's the first L, Um, listen. Um, We have to Have a willingness to engage people um, and not subtly proclaim ourselves to be the expert and them to be the lost person. Um, This is not really the the style of the soul winner. Um, Biblically, uh, there is much more to be gained when we have the style of a seeker. We ask, we seek, we knock. We're not truth warriors. We don't go around picking fights and beating down uh, resistances. Uh, the only warfare that happens is spiritual warfare, and that happens in the realm of prayer and faith, not in interpersonal uh, interactions. And so we want to be people who are strong and in spiritual battle, but with people, they always have a sense of our charity, our acceptance. Uh, we cannot take the tone that we 're the expert, and they just need to shut up and listen. I promise you they will it will close the doors and shut the windows of any chance you have at a spiritual conversation with them. Um, listen to them uh, consider what they say um, sometimes i um, after i 've listened to their point, I will try to repeat back their position to them um, to make sure I understood it and as a a subtle way of honoring it. Um, in other words, I, it's to be taken seriously. Um, it is to be considered. And I, I will often do that. In fact, I I think that's one of the most common things I will do when I'm talking to a, somebody who is an avowed atheist uh, or agnostic individual, is I make sure I understand their position. Um, all of the Classic art arguments of atheists and agnostics are, 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 are well used and old. They're not new arguments. And there is a tremendous and rich history of them being debated back and forth uh, between uh, community of faith and uh, the skeptics and the unbelievers. Um, you can prepare yourself with a little bit of effort to be able to have those conversations um, but the first thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to listen to them. Um, if we catch ourselves, and this is the remember, let's just real quick um, remember the four L's. First, listen wholeheartedly. Listen. The second, use their language. Um, don't try to use church language with people who don't go to church. Try to understand what you're saying. And when you use a term that may be new to them, but is is, is indispensable. Like, for example, redemption. You can't tell the good news without talking about redemption. Uh, take a moment to explain it as an idea, not just a religious buzzword, but a even a secular idea. Uh, one of the things I love to do, you guys have heard me say this before, if someone tells me they don't believe in God, I ask them if they believe in redemption. Um, and I have found that very, very helpful to start a conversation of consideration, reflection, and mutual respect. These are the necessary ingredients of talking spiritual talk, God talk with unbelievers. So the second L was use their language. The third L was you look for what God is doing. You're not always telling them, but you're looking for what God is doing in their life. There's a spiritual sensitivity uh, in you. Uh, You're able to ask yourself, I wonder why they're having... They're wanting to have this conversation now. Is there something going on in their life that the Lord could could use as an uh, open door of spiritual access? And then finally, leave them with a promise. Um, that's number four, leave them with a promise. You speak faith over them, even if they don't have faith. Um, I often do this in times where people bring very difficult situations to me, and I listen, and I listen, and at the end of it... Um, a lot of times, I don't have an answer. Sometimes I have some advice. Uh, I'm very careful about giving advice, um, but I sometimes will have some advice, and I oftentimes will will want to find a way to to share that ad, to share that advice. Um, but I always couch it in the terms of um, uh, looking that God would looking to see God do something in their life. Leave them with a promise. Uh, God's going to. Take this circumstance, uh, and he's going to bring good out of, out of it. Right now, it seems impossible. It seems uh, the craziest thing you've ever heard. Um, I was talking with someone this, this past week, and I told them that God can bring good out of this, this, this story, and, and uh, their response was, well, if you say so. And I said back, I do say so. I, I do say so. God can bring uh, good things out of rather uh, difficult, even ugly circumstances. Not to say that circumstance is good. But to say that God brings new life and new growth, sometimes out of the deaths we die, the death of dreams and ambitions and the death of self and the death of plans. And God uh, almost uses that as fertilizer to grow new life within us. So that's the four L's. Um, Listen, use their language, look for what God is doing in their life, be sensitive to how the Lord is opening doors, and finally leave them with a promise Talking with unbelievers, talking with agnostics, talking with um, atheists, um, we have to, first of all, start, as I've mentioned, with, with with listening to them, really listening, trying to understand. Don't start a debate when you don't understand their point. It's going to be an unspoken sign to them that you don't care what they think. You just want to get to your part. Um I have been guilty of this. It's very human for us to want to rush past uh, the issue and get to our solution. Um, but that's, that's something that I think is key um, to talking to unbelievers, uh, atheists, agnostics. So the second thing I want to say maybe a little bit, uh, may surprise you a little bit. Um, it's my experience that people like this often have a history with church people. Um, they often have a history with church. And they carry their, their atheism uh, almost like a chip on their shoulder. Um, the chip they put on their shoulder was their way of surviving something that happened to them. I'm not saying it was right for them to have a chip on their shoulder. I'm just saying this is what it means to be human. A lot of times the chip we carry on our shoulder is our coping mechanism. It's not always wise. It's not always good. Sometimes it makes circumstances worse rather than better. But let's be honest... It is part of it, our coping mechanism. And so they've coped with prior encounters with church people, uh, prior encounters with churches, and they've developed these calluses. Um, I would I would suggest that you move beyond what someone else has done to them simply by apologizing. Um, I, I Again, I do this a lot. Um, whenever there's a story, uh, well, I went to a church and this happened, and I took... And th- there are some horrible stories out there. I, I, you know this. Um, a lot of people, um, I'm not going to say they're not following Christ, but I, I will say that they, man, it, they, they sure seem to be uh, strangely angry and bitter and exclusionary um, to follow this man who says he died to, died to save the world. Um, but that's that's for them to that's their choice, and they have a master who will judge them. When you're trying to pick up the pieces behind someone like that, um, just apologize. I do this a lot, as I mentioned. i I'm, so this happened to you. I'll just look him right in the eye and I'll try to say, i'm I'm so sorry that happened to you. I don't know how they meant it. It may have been misunderstanding involved but I'm so sorry that happened to you. I found this, if you can look them in the eye and with clear eye and clear tone and absolute authenticity, just apologize. You can move past it. But if you cannot apologize, you say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. That's not the point. The point is, is you're showing them acceptance. Their views matter, number one. Number two, it was not right for anyone to run roughshod over them or be dismissive of them Uh, Their sovereignty is God's gift. Whether they're believers or not, they are made in the image of God. Whether they agree or disagree, they deserve the dignity of God's gift upon them, their sovereign will to choose. And so um, that's why you'll oftentimes hear uh, people who are fairly good at talking to people um, always leaving open door for their decision, uh, saying things like, well, you, you know, whatever you decide to believe or, or whatever, uh, let me give a better example. Um, in First Steps, I'll often ask, in, in lesson number two, I ask the, the, the our, 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 our new attendees, I ask them to make a commitment to the church. And I, I you know, we tell them why. We go through 29 biblical reasons Uh, We've made some changes to it, and um, that's what we're doing now. 29 biblical reasons. And then I'll end it saying something like this. If we're not the church for you, that's okay. If you don't like my personality or you don't think that, you know, if if we do something you don't like, that's okay. But find a church and make a commitment to it. You see how I, uh, the goal there is to leave them, to acknowledge their right to choose. The same thing is... True and should be done when we are dealing with unbelievers. The same principle of uh, not trying to take their decision from them. When they've been run roughshod over, just apologize. Um, and even if you didn't do it, just say, I'm so sorry that you went through that. That will oftentimes pass a fa- press the fast forward button and you can move on to more productive subjects. Because as long as they're stuck in what was done wrong to them, in my opinion, they're not ready. They're not ready to be uh, to have a productive spiritual conversation. They're still counting scars. Uh, they're still stuck in yesterday. And sometimes um, God's gift in our life, sometimes as if you've been through Freedom, you know this. Um, Freedom's a group, uh, our, our a ministry in our church to help people move beyond their yesterdays. Um, we have to deal with those yesterdays so we can move on. And so um, our goal as believers is not just to have a position. Our goal is to manifest the heart of God. That's, I think, uh, the most commonly misunderstood element by well-meaning Christians. Um, If you enter into a conversation with an unbeliever, agnostic, atheist person, and your goal is to be right, you've only understood a part of your mission. And you can be right and miss the heart of God you can be right about scripture and miss the heart of God. You can know all your laws and have them lined up, double spaced and typed up for presentation and miss the heart of God. Um, This really is the story of how uh, the scholars of the house of Israel missed the ministry of Jesus. Um, They they, they, they absolutely missed it. They had spent their life studying. And if you look at the history of the, uh, the, the, the scribal scholar, as a class in ancient Jerusalem, the devotion they had to scripture makes us look like lazy, irreverent, uncareful devotees. They But they miss Jesus, you see, because you can know all your stuff and miss the heart of God. Most of the stuff I see on the internet is done by people who know scripture and don't understand the heart of God. Whenever you hear really loud, boisterous Christians and they, um, uh, I don't fight with them because it's unhelpful, and I don't say that because I think I'm better than them. I am not better than them. None of us uh, are better than anybody else. I just feel like that they have they have missed the heart of God by being so zealous for the law of God. Um, we are no longer in the Old Testament. There is right, there is wrong. But what ministers to people and what draws people and what stirs people is not expositions on law. It is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And so we want to have the ability to um, interact with people and not just know our scripture and be able to understand our positions, but we want to show them the heart of God, the heart of a savior, the heart of a shepherd that'll leave 99 safe and go look for one lost sheep. And then when he finds it, not exhausted, not angry, he celebrates the return of one lost, one lost uh, sheep. Um, so this is fundamental, this manifestation of the heart of God, not just the proclamation of the truth of God, manifestation of the heart of God, not just the proclamation of uh, the truth of God. Um, there is, I think, um, some stumbling blocks by reading the story of the apostles shallowly um, because they spent so much of their fight not against sinners but against Jews who either uh, did not believe in Jesus or they believed in Jesus but wanted to keep the Gentiles out of the church or they uh, were Gnostics. And Gnosticism was the belief that, yes, Jesus was something special, but he wasn't flesh. Um, he was an emanation of God, therefore he wasn't really tempted, therefore he didn't really suffer, therefore he did not really bleed. it was all an emanation, it was like an illusion. Uh, those were the those are the the three categories of rejection that the apostles uh, spoke so much about in their uh, presentation and their uh, shall we say um, preaching of theology. They were against the, the Jews who rejected Jesus entirely, the Jews who accepted Jesus but wanted to keep out the Gentiles, and finally, a Gnostics who wanted to have a different fundamental doctrine of uh, the resurrection and of Calvary. Um, this is this is why the apostles can write so sternly against church people who are promoting a false doctrine but you will not hear them write the same manner against a sinner. Uh, This is why the Apostle Paul can speak so harshly against sin in the Corinthians church and then tell the whole church not to have any of these standards to outsiders. Uh, Read read the books in Corinthians yourself. Um, So this is is a challenge upon all of us to manifest the heart of God, uh, to be able to have Um, a style of communication uh, that manifests the love of God, um, the goodness of God. Um, This is uh, something that I think is good for us to review continually. First Peter chapter number three, verse number 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Jesus spoke harshly against the Pharisees but he did not speak harshly to the sinner. Isn't that interesting how so many of the uh, conflicts in church are not between people who want to live in sin and people who want to live righteous. That's not the conflict. It's de- degrees of righteousness that creates tension in our churches. Um, you need to be able to talk to unbelievers and them feel the heart of God, the heart of God uh, uh, through you. Uh, how is this manifest? Well, Jesus says in John thirteen um, verse number, uh, I'll start at thirty three little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, as I said to the Jews where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will by this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have loved one for, one for another. This is true demonstration of the heart of God, not just proclamation of of the law of God. Um, this is why the Apostle Paul can write a whole. I think one of the most beautiful doxologies. There's a theological word. Doxology is just a formal praise, a formal worship. Um, you understand what I'm saying? If you give someone a formal compliment, you could call that uh, in a, in, a, in the Greek you call it a doxology. Um, so when he writes First uh, Corinthians chapter number thirteen, and he writes, "Love never fails. Tongues fail, prophecy fails, knowledge fails, power fails, angels fail. <laughs> love never fails. Even when love seems to fail in a way you can understand, it it succeeds in a way you cannot under understand." Um, the Third thing that I would want you to do, well, I've, I just covered that. That's to speak with gentleness and respect to people. Don't just have respect for people who agree with you. Um, that, is the, that is the swan song of the fool. You need to have respect um, for people, whether or not they are of your uh, theological tribe, shall we say. Um, the next thing I would say is be aware that these people, even though they're unbelievers, uh, they strive in their own way to do good things. If you can see that, they'll open their heart to you. But if you can't see any of the good things they've tried to do, you'll really struggle to have them trust you. Because, you know, they, like all of us, wrestle with what to do, when to cheat, <laughs> when to take, you know, a side door, or when to try to be unethical. And they've, the va- vast majority of them have, have, are trying at some level to do good things to help others. Uh, maybe not at the level of, you know, someone who's made a lifestyle or a calling of it, but they're trying. If you can't see that, you're going to be really limited in your ability to to express your affection for them. See see whatever effort they make and honor it. And this will enable you to do the most important thing, which is to love them. Um, Love is not based upon whether or not they agree with you. Um, that's why it's so dangerous to go into the conversation with the idea of a debate. A debate is for entertainment, and it's usually done before an audience. It has different goals. They can be valuable, and I love good debates. I do, as far as an observer. But you need to see how that is not a soul-winning tactic in the moment. The soul-winning perhaps could come later, but in that moment, that's like, uh, it's like entertainment of sorts. Um, soul-winning is not entertainment. It's about doing life with someone, seeing their 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 struggles, uh, crying when they cry, laughing when they laugh, um, and over time and with patience, opening to them another way that they can be uh, they can become, shall we say, believers, just as uh, we are. So the most important thing is the last one uh, to be to 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 love them to love them as God would love them. And that's why we need to pray whenever we're talking to somebody. And this is so important because many of you have unbelievers in your family, agnostic people, atheists in your family. Um, They need to feel 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love from you. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not envious. It's not boastful. It's not proud. This is 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 kind of love. They need to feel that from you. And this is the, the result, is if you get that right, your, your success rate on influencing them toward God, you cannot choose for them. You do not have control. Control is an illusion. Uh, we can't even control ourselves. Well, we struggle to. How's your diet doing? Probably as good as mine. Um, <laughs> we struggle to control ourselves. We don't have control over them, but um, we very much have influence. And so I believe that you can be very, very successful and anointed in talking to the people in your world um, that are admitting their agnosticism, admitting their atheism. And I pray that the Lord would help us all do that. Lord, I'm praying that as people of faith, we would be able to carry your truth and manifest your heart. I'm praying that we would be able to show the goodness of God to people. We We would understand that hearing them is not putting ourselves at risk. God, forgive us for insecure belief and insecure faith as though listening to them is going to make us, put us at risk. This is this, is, this is an error on our part. Forgive us of that. Instead, let us see just how strong faith is when it's chosen. And having stood upon that absolute commitment we make to you, we choose you, we're able to open our heart to people and be spiritually effective in ministering to them Communicating your love, communicating your law, demonstrating your heart, and letting them feel the spiritual embrace that is available to whosoever will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Real quick, we have a guest speaker this coming Sunday, uh, a guest pastor, Pastor John Moran, is going to be preaching our Sunday services for us. It's going to be a great day. Uh, and I really, if, if you, uh, I think you'll be blessed. Uh, He's a fantastic communicator and uh, just a a great man of God. And so we're looking forward to that. Have a great week. God bless. We love you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast,